Hello, and welcome to Expect More of Law, the podcast. I'm Professor Tanya Lehman, Dean of Law at Flinders University, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast celebrating law at Flinders University. In this podcast series, I'll be presenting inspirational interviews with current students and graduates who share their experiences about where their law studies have taken them across the spectrum of legal professions and industries. We'll take a deep dive into the current challenges faced by legal practitioners and present industry insights into the future of law. I hope these fearless voices inform and inspire you just as they have me. Hello everybody, I'm Tanya Lehman, I'm the Dean of Law here at Flinders and I'm really looking forward to a conversation that I'm about to have with Stephen Hailstone. So Stephen is a member of our Flinders Law Board of Advisors and he's a Flinders Law graduate. And so Stephen, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? When did you study? Uh, I was a 2006 grad, so it's been quite a while since I've been back here. Today's my first day back. I've only been back in South Australia for what, a year post um, I was in Sydney for about 10 or so years. So I've come back with my current company. Um, yeah, so it's, and, it's and great it was, to be back. It's it was, great to be back on campus, actually. It's quite after surreal. All this time. So I'm going to take you right back uh, and ask you, what led you to decide to study law? Uh, it's a funny, it's a hard question because I, as I was coming here today, I was thinking that I actually sympathise quite a lot with myself back when I was 17, 18, because I actually had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily even want to be a lawyer. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't think I was smart enough. I was more into playing tennis. So it was quite a bit of an odd journey. I, you know, I didn't have any real aspirations when I was in high school to do that. And then I got injured and really in year 11, 12, I kicked myself and, and did it. And I just, I sort of got the grades and I thought, well, yep. what next? Yep. And I thought, well, law is prestigious. <laughs> so I will do that. Okay. That's kind okay. of, it, it was kind of that, that, um, that simple really. I didn't really know what to do. And I, when I get asked now from, from, you know, people who are in their 17s, I've, I've been involved in mentoring younger people in their high school years and I've had to have that same conversation with them, well, what do you like? And the answer I receive generally is, well, I don't really know. So yes, I, I have a lot yes. of sympathy for So you have for sympathy me. for yeah, that. I really yeah, do. yeah. So what chose you to, what led you to choose Flinders? Well, I lived, my family still lives in, um, it was either, it was obviously at that point either Flinders or, or Uni of yeah, Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted, I was down, I lived down south, so family's down, um, on the beaches down yep, near yep. McLaren Vale. So it was a proximity thing yeah. for me. So thinking back on those, it's a long time ago now, <laughs> yeah. thinking back on your studies, any highlights or, or things that you would tell someone now uh, if they're just about to start their studies? Probably the first thing that I remember was when you're in, the highlights were, were really that you know, if you dedicate yourself, you can actually do it. it it's yeah, not, yeah, if yeah. You, you don't have to be, um, you don't have to think, I've got to be in the top 2% of my class in high school. You don't. You, if you're smart, if you're dedicated, if you're prepared to do it, you make plenty of friends, everyone's there to help you, you're all in it together. And you get to know all the, the academics, the lecturers. I actually really enjoyed my time. I actually really, really did enjoy it. I was never, a, you know, even going, I joke now with my wife that through high school, I, I don't even think I read too many novels. I managed to 
and that would have changed. And that, that, that changed <laughs> very quickly. Um, not the novels, but, but the reading. But that the reading, certainly yeah, changed. That's right, it certainly that's right. has, it continues yeah. to. But um, but really, the message is um, for me, for someone who's going into or has aspirations to go into, whether it be law or just into any of the the um, high degree education, is just if you dedicate, if you're committed to it, if you want to do it. Um, you, know, you will enjoy it. So what sparked your passion or interest when you started studying law? Yeah, it was it was really, um, as cliche as it sounds, it's really about seeing an issue or seeing a problem mm, um, yes. and then figuring out how it, what that solution is. That was really the thing that I enjoyed. Being, I, a, being a problem solver? Yeah, 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 I enjoyed thinking about, look how, here's these set, here's this scenario, you know, in now, in the uh, in your schooling environment, it's generally a pretty fictitious scenario. It will be based on a, a, a previous case study, so you can. So it's like picking up in there. What are the things that I need to examine, mm, um, mm. and then thinking about through yourself in a very rational, logical way. How can I fix this, or what are the answers to mm. to, to to solve it? And and that's what I really enjoyed, and and that has carried through um, my career today. So. Legal knowledge is actually a, a critical part of that problem-solving piece, isn't it? It's oh, without so a doubt. empowering. Without a doubt. If you 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 absolutely need to have the base there, whether or not you're in your first year of um, practice or your what I am my fifteenth year of practice. If you don't have that fundamental skill set um, of what the principles, solid, just the foundations of principles, the foundations of common law. If you don't have them, it's very difficult to then analyse it in a critical way um, in the step that you need to when you're reading through those scenarios. So it's absolutely critical. So it's that mindset of thinking, how am I going to uh, respond to an issue that w no one knows what the answer is yet? So how, how am I going to break down the problem? How am I going to think yeah. about where I go to find the answers? It, it is. I, so my background is I'm currently, I've been in... And I'll, I'll lead you there in a you minute. You'll lead me there? Okay. Um, I was going to say, I come at it from a slightly different perspective because I'm an in-house lawyer, so I'm, yeah. a, I'm a deal attorney. So I look at it in a different lens. But yes, they are the, that is the, the fundamental school. You need to be able to lead not only yourself, but you need to be able to lead um, your clients who you, who, or your stakeholders with who, who may not be coming out of the same lens that you are. Um, so you need to be able to guide them through the journey. And then once you've been able to um, solve that problem, you then need to be able to lead and persuade your opposing or the other side on why you think your view is the preferred view. Mm. Um, and if you don't have that, um, you, you can't just speak it. You need to be able to speak in, in fact and logic and on solid, solid understanding of the law. And if you can't do that, you're not going to succeed either with your own internal clients or external mm. clients. So those are, those are the sorts of skills that can be transferred across a whole range of different professional Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Uh, contexts, can't they? Absolutely. Yeah. That, it applies. Obviously, we're looking at it purely from the legal side, but you know, I, I, when I'm talking with the, the technical teams or speaking with people who in a skill set which I'm not familiar with, I'll be asking them, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. And they will have to tell me, well, this is, like start at the base level, say, well, this is what we're doing and this is why. And I go, I get it. Yeah. And if I can, if, and if we apply that same principle to when we're working through a problem, so whether it be 
when you're practicing or when you're preparing a paper, you need to approach it from that same scenario. What is the actual issues that you're going through? So you need to be able to have that, that legal analysis there and then apply common reasoning as to why that's the preferred view. Okay, so now I'm gonna take you back and you've been through law and you graduated. What was your next step after graduation? Uh, my next step was getting a job. Yes. Um, um, and back then it was, I mean, it was quite, we're very fortunate in the legal, in legal fraternity in that it's quite structured. So you have a natural progression from my fourth, penultimate or fifth year, whatever it happens to be, apply for clerkships and yep. if you happen to, so that's the exact so um, where did you, where did you so start I went, working? I started with a firm which was actually called um, then uh, Donaldson & Walsh, oh, which yes, is yes. now uh, DW Fox, Fox Tucker, Tucker, I believe. Mm -hmm. yep. um, so I was there. I started in the insolvency and litigation team mm -hmm. um, where I was there for a period of, period of years. I went to a couple other firms within Adelaide and then I moved and then I went to Alan's Arthur Robinson in Brisbane. I was there for... And that's a, that's a national firm, isn't it? Correct, yeah. yeah. National firm, they now um, uh, have what they've called an independent alliance with Linklaters. And I was there, for, I don't know how, I don't know, number of years. And um, doing what sort of work Again, there? I was in transactions and back-end recoveries. So I was in the restructuring team. So we worked with a lot of financiers when, um, a lot of broad investigations. So it was typically when um, an organisation wasn't able to um, meet its repayments, had mm -hmm. a large facility mm -hmm. um, with a bank, and then we acted for the financiers and we saw the transaction through. And then I went in-house. Um, so so I left before you go Okay, in -house. before I go there. So thinking about your time mm -hmm. in a law firm, mm -hmm. uh, highlights, tips that you would give uh, people commencing in legal practice, things to watch out for or things to, to really grab in terms of opportunities? I've always, <laughs> private practice, I've always said to people, I believe you have to do it. In-house lawyers are not what they were, I believe, or not, there wasn't the same stigma to what there is today as what there may have been back when I was a grad. Today, um, You mean the pathway now is really opening up? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And also that some of the most highly specialised, highly articulate, highly, uh, you would put any of the, most of the lawyers I deal with, you put them at any of the top tier firms easily. And they're all at that partnership level. We, now the top tier, oh, the in-house legal career now, very much so a very prestigious place to be, I okay. view. But in order to get there, you need to, first have your core training, which can, I believe at this stage is still um, a real benefit of private, of private practice um, because they purely just have the resources, um, they have the time and they're geared to that. So that is absolutely a highlight for me is the fact that um, whether it be here or when I was in Allens, the knowledge that you receive on the back of your learning from, from university is absolutely second to none. So that is absolutely a, a very good thing. And finally, you get to actually deal with a client. Mm. Um, so that's great. Mm. Mm. Um, and you get to put, put into practice the things that you've learned and you very quickly understand that the hard work really now begins. The amount of work that you, you have to do in private practice to make just solidify your learnings at university, it's a steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. It really is. But you need to, you need to leverage your, your peers, um, leverage uh, your your managers, 
probably not your partners, but your your senior associates, that level. To get them to, to help get mentor them, you. To get and, them to mentor you, yep. to build relationships. So the big thing for me, build relationships. Use your early years as, view yourself as being, so if I was to give advice, yep. my advice would be be humble, um, yes. be approachable. That's a really good piece of advice, <laughs> isn't it? Being humble. Be humble, because you will be humbled. Yes. Um, yeah. Be approachable, think logically, yep. um, think rationally and apply common sense and don't hesitate to ask a question where you have taken it to a point where you no longer can get the answer. Mm. Thinking of studying more? Expect more. More focus on your future. More support. More skills. And more professional placements. Expect more of law. Apply to Flinders today. So you were at, did you say Allen's mm -hmm. in Brisbane? Yep, in Brisbane for a few years. And then uh, what happened then? And then I decided to um, shift paths and want to have the opportunity to move in-house because I was just, I find that So people, talk me through that. What, yeah, what, 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 what led you to take that fork in the road? Yeah, so at that point in time, I was, I was wondering, I think people, I had to ask myself, do I love looking for a legal answer to a very specific legal question? Yeah. Um, and or do I want to take a more macro view of it and take a more commercial approach and have a have a bigger outlook of, of the or look at it from or look at a transaction from initial this is what we're looking to do to deal signing and that was where I wanted to be um, have a go at anyway so that led me into a, a role with uh, the Star Entertainment Group which mm -hmm. is the owner and operator of several of the casinos mm -hmm. um, in, in the Eastern Seaboard. Mm -hmm. um, so I was there where I was their deal attorney, um, their in-house counsel for four or so years. I was and, were, and were you part of a legal team there? Yeah, were there so other lawyers that you were working with? Yeah, there were. There were, I think as a team, we were spread across Australia, but as a team I think we were about eight. So I was based in I was between Brisbane. I was primarily in Brisbane and Sydney. Mm -hmm. I was um, tic-tacking between the two. Yeah, but there was in Brisbane. There was about three or four of us, um, maybe more. And in Sydney, there was yeah, similar sort of numbers. Mm -hmm. So we were part of the team. We worked as worked as one, but differently to the thing you pick up when you move in-house is that no longer is there my partner will settle this. All of a sudden, You're to a in. degree, the buck stops with you. <laughs> yes. Um, and you need yes. to be the people will be coming to you for an answer um, and you don't generally have time because the answer is, hi, I've got this problem or the scenario is I've got this problem um, or we need to do this and okay, the question will be, when are you looking to do it? Oh, today. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. okay, yeah. We, yeah. how yeah. do we make this happen today? Yeah. So, and that's probably something we can talk about later, but that was probably the major shift that I saw when I went uh, private practice to in-house is... So, and can I ask you, how many years um, post-admission did you have? six or seven. And then you went and moved And then in. I went in-house, yeah. Okay. I think, I know in-house becoming much more sophisticated entity or corporations becoming much more, um, it, it is now a viable career option for people to go straight into to an in-house environment. Um, I know that. The one hesitation I always have is training because you really do need um, a commitment to training in those early years. So that's my one mm. my one hesitation about that. So how long were you with Star? Uh, about four years I was with, with Star. Um, and, and then? 
And then, well, and then I was looking actually to go, I was always wondering about whether I would go international. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was actually, I've worked in Milan for five months, four months. I was over, in, over there while I was working with the star. So I, I was, I traveled to Italy and I just said, can I continue working, but be in Milan? And um, my boss was kind enough to say yes. <laughs> So, in the days before everyone's doing remote In the days working. before everyone's yeah. remote working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my boss was kind of say yes. So, I mean, it worked out well. I mean, I was, they would do the work during the day and then it was almost like a 24 hour legal desk, so to speak, because mm -hmm. I would then come online in their night. So mm -hmm. I was in Milano for a while. I was gonna think about staying in London. I was offered a job in London. One didn't, one ended up turning that down and came back. And then I went across to Sydney where I was, I went in Sydney in private practice for a little while before I wanted to go back in-house again. Mm -hmm. I, I, I sort of transitioned yep. back to yep. private practice, yep. but very quickly made my mind up that no, I realised I'm actually much more of an in-house lawyer than a private practice lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, so then went back and I've been in, I've been in corporations for about the last five years. Okay. Mm. Uh, and where are you now? I'm now the um, the Australian deal attorney for um, Genpak Australia. So tell us a little bit about Genpak. So Genpak, great company. Um, uh, it's a little plug for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'll cut you off if you go too long. Um, uh, no, there. So Genpak's a, a uh, New York um, listed entity. Um, so we're a global global um, professional services company. So my role is to enable the Australian business. So I'm I report into the US. We have a global team. Um, I work with a couple of other lawyers uh, in Australia in compliance and reg, but I'm the deal attorney. And we do, we work with, we're typically at the top end of town. We do a lot of automation, data, um, digitization, and outsourcing of work. And so a managed so, service provider. And, and that whole use of technology in professional services is, is a real growth area from your perspective? It's been, so the yes is a short answer. It's been very important. So our business is to improve efficiencies um, and part of that comes through driving into the digital, digital world. Um, and whether that be through data extraction into a hosted cloud environment or whether that be um, import in putting in um, bots to um, perform services which people would otherwise historically have done. Um, so yeah, absolutely, mm. the technology um, not only in the service, end service, but from a legal point of view as well. So now you've used this phrase deal attorney a couple mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that means. I'm the, the transaction lawyer. Okay. So, so I'm okay. the front end. Um, so I do all of our B or B2B or business to business um, transactions. Um, so anytime we do a, anytime we're engaged with a new entity, with a new client, um, I will um, draft and uh, negotiate that deal. Okay. So what what are the things that get you out of bed and excited every day about uh, going get to me work? Out of, what gets yeah. me out of bed is my 18-month-old baby. <laughs> um, he, got me yes. out of, he got me out of bed pretty early this yes. morning. Um, he gets me out of bed. Um, he also gets me excited in the morning, so that's nice. Yes. Um, but um, in, from a work perspective, again, it's, it's coming back, it almost cycle, circled back to what I found out I really enjoyed in the first place was having something complex in front of me, which yeah. I solve, um, whether that be me personally or me as a collective 
group. Um, that's really the, the good. When you've got a large, um, complex deal, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm sitting there at 2 a.m. working it through because it's it's actually exciting. It's exciting may maybe not be the right word, but it, it's mentally stimulating. Yeah. Um, and it's something I really really do enjoy. Um, so that's the thing that like, when you, when you got the the things that are a bit more BAU or when you, know, you say BAU, what do you mean? Oh, uh, business as usual. Okay. Um, so like okay. rat and mice, small sort of stuff. It's hard to motivate yourself at times because it's kind of like. Yeah, okay, a bit of a glorified word processor. Yep. But where you have, um, you know, complicated issues of intellectual property, um, complicated liability issues, uh, compliance with law issues, they're, they're fun to, to cause you have pretty, you know, sophisticated conversations with not only your internal team, but your external clients as well. So let me just think about those conversations that you're having uh, being part of uh, an organisation that has a particular focus of business, are you finding that you are regularly having to understand what other parts of the business are doing and being able to really come to grips with uh, the way different disciplines operate and so that you can have that conversation within your organisation and with other organisations? Yeah, so a key, a key feature of a deal attorney really, of a good deal attorney, is to fully understand the organisation that you work in. So you need to be able to, see my role, I will talk with multiple departments within our organisation. So it's a really is a, a multifaceted role of an in-house lawyer. You will have to understand the, the risk appetite mm. of the organisation. Yes. You have to understand fully what the actual service we are performing. So the who's, the what's, the where's, the when's, the how's. Um, all of those things you fully need to, to understand because once you understand that, you can then piece that together in terms of the actual overall framework of what you're doing and how you're going to do it. Because really a contract's nothing more than a rule book um, mm. for how you deliver a service. That's all it is. It's yeah. This is what's going to, to govern this thing that we're going to do. Yeah. Um, that's it. Yeah. And without understanding what you're doing, who's doing what and who's responsible for what and when it's going to be done and what happens if you don't do it, you can't, it's really hard then to understand bigger contract. Um, so you absolutely need to understand the company as a whole. So whether that be Australia, globally, because part of our role as well as an in-house lawyer when you're talking with clients is to sell the organisation. And when you say client, do you mean other people in your organisation or do you mean people Both. outside so our the organisation? It's, it's an odd one because um, strictly speaking, our client, um, well, let me let me um, break it a bit down. So. A in-house lawyer is an independent lawyer for that organisation. Um, we're employed by that organisation, but our role is to be an objective attorney. Mm -hmm. um, our client, strictly speaking, is the organisation. Um, the organisation speaks through its people. Now, so they're strictly you know, the client, but practically the client is you know, our external um, clients who are receiving our service. Um, so when I say client, I, I typically mean both and quite yes. not either say internal or external. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, um, so I was saying part of our role when we're speaking to external clients is we need to sell our services. And it may not just be the services that we're offering today. It may be the services that we can see through speaking 
with different relationship managers of our client, external client, who understand what the client actually needs, we can then say, well, we're doing something similar to that in North America. And have you ever thought about doing that for you? Because if you have, this is how we can do that. And you might want to think about, or we can see, we should have a conversation today about including XYZ provisions into this agreement as a gate opening clause. Because even if you don't use it today, mm. let's not have a conversation or an argument in a year's time. Let's have the conversation today, put a gate opening, gate opening provision in, which then enables the parties tomorrow to quickly transact. That's part of an in-house role, in-house lawyer's role. So if I summarise the things that I've heard from you today, you're doing a whole lot of things. You're, you're bringing your legal knowledge mm -hmm. to navigating those complex sort mm -hmm. of legal problems initially, but really important to have that broader business acumen, that commercial mm -hmm. acumen as well. Mm -hmm. And just hearing your conversation there suggests to me that what's really important is being able to spot opportunities. Absolutely. Um, being able to take initiative being able to say, hey, there's ways that we could do this differently. There's ways that we can be creative here. Mm -hmm. There's ways that we can think differently about what this business could look like uh, or should look like. And so it's not just, you know, just in the lane, but it's looking oh, really broadly. Absolutely. And that's, and that's a real, uh, I think, something that you pick up from, or it, it can be a bit of a difference between a private practice attorney versus an, an in-house attorney. Um, and when I said, do I want to answer a legal question? as opposed to being more macro. That's the benefit, I believe, of an in-house role, mm. is that you get to apply that, that broader that broader sense and you get to have those, those more strategic conversations with your clients. So that's what mm. I personally enjoy, an in-house role. But other people might not enjoy it as mm. much as I, because they prefer you know, another, they enjoy thinking about it in a different way to what I do. So for our students who are um, studying legal innovation now yeah. and uh, going through a process of thinking really carefully from, from uh, their first year of study about thinking more broadly about mm -hmm. who, who the customer is, who the client is, uh, where could this go, how can we think about those, how can we think about the issues differently, how can we come up with you know, alternative solutions. Those are all skills that are going to be transferable in this context and in many other contexts. Absolutely. Without, without doubt. Um, the real thing that the students, if I was to be speaking with the students, what I'd be saying is, you know, be human. And, and by that, I mean, don't think you need to present the answer today or immediately. Have the conversation and understand what the actual objective may be, but use your, 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 the skills that you pick up in delving deeper. Because you can, it's one thing to have a, a, a headline conversation, but what I believe the skills that we can bring to those sort of conversations when we're talking with our business teams are just picking up on words or picking up on a sentence and then going, oh, you've said something quite interesting there. Or for example, um, a client may, an internal team may say to me, oh, we're looking to do some digitization opportunities. I go, okay, that's one way you can say, okay, great. The alternative answer could be, oh, by digitization, can you just help me understand exactly what is the client, the external client, hoping to achieve here? And then you're saying, okay, is this a, is it purely, are we talking cloud solution? Are we talking importing bots? What are we talking? And then you can start taking the conversation to next layers. And 
by thinking in that innovative way, I think that, and that skills they're picking up today, I think that's going to help out. So I'm going to pick up on just what you've said and I'm going to say what your really interesting thing that you've just said there is be human. And I think that might be a great way to conclude our conversation. It's a long way, isn't it? It is. That probably Growing is. up down on the Southern it Beaches. It absolutely is. And coming and doing is. Laura Flinders, yeah, working all over Australia internationally mm -hmm. and now in a role it's, for an international company. I'm, I must be, I'm, um, I am very grateful. Mm. for where my career is, for the career that I'm at today yeah. um, and what I've been able to achieve and what I've picked up along the way, um, the people I've met, um, you know, keeping in contact with people like yourself, it's, it's fantastic. Yes. And something that perhaps at the time that you graduated you never would have anticipated that you would end up here? No. No, and I probably would have taken it for granted to be honest. I was at, you know, when I graduated it was, you know, if I go back to that word I used, or like humble, um, I think you you mature as you become uh, through your career. So, um, yeah. Well, it's been wonderful to speak to you today. Thank you so much for coming privilege. in. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Expect More of Law, the podcast. If you've been inspired, influenced, informed or entertained, please subscribe to the podcast series. To find out more about Flinders Law, please visit flinders.edu.au slash law.